Welcome to episode six of Rise and Resilience. Today's guest is Jessica Fabus Chang. She is a registered nurse, former Team USA Taekwondo, and she is Mrs. Metropolitan America. Jessica, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank so, you so much. Of course. Give a little intro for people who may not know who you are. So my name is Jessica Fabus Chang, as you mentioned. Um, we're actually new to Long Island. I've been living in Brooklyn for over 20 years. Originally, I'm from Chicago, um, but I moved to New York when I was 19 years old. And so we're new out here. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I'm an instructor um, of health sciences. So I teach something called surgical technology because my background is an operating room, in the operating room and I'm a war nurse. Um, and yes, I'm also an athlete, which is something that kind of happened by accident, which we'll talk about later. And I'm Mrs. Metropolitan America in the Mrs. New York America pageant, which is coming up in July. Okay. So yeah. tell us how you got into being in beauty pageants. So this is something that I always wanted to do. Mm. And I remember when I was about 11 years old, I um, made a friend at school. Her name is Melissa and she's still my best friend. She's my, who's my maid of honor, my wedding. Wow. And, and the first time that we, I went to her house, I remember walking into her room and there were all these like trophies there and crowns. And I was like, what is this? Because it's calling my name right now. <laughs> and I had this sense that it wasn't just something that was like given to her. She had earned them kind of like trophies for athletics. And I asked her, I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, I do pageants. Like, it's no big deal. And I was like, pageants? And then she showed me all of her pictures and she had this like dress, which I call poofers, because back in those days, they were like big dresses that you'd wear, like for younger kids. And I remember being like, this is it. Like, this is my calling. Like, this is what I'm gonna do. And I went home and I was like, mom, this is what I want to be in a pageant. This is this is amazing. Can I can I be in a pageant? And she was like, absolutely not. Wow. No way. It's not, you know, for you. It's, you know, there were just the misconceptions mm. of pageantry. And, you know, I was only 11 years old. It wouldn't be like in a swimsuit on stage. But um, so she really didn't want to look into it much. But I understand, like being a mom myself now, I understand that you know, you want to protect your kids and you want to make sure that the things they're doing are up and up. And so what happened was me being me, I'm like, I can't accept no as an answer. <laughs> and, you know, that's a good thing. You know, I was a little stubborn. But what I ended up doing was asking her the next day. I'm like, so what about that pageant? And she's like, no. Then the next day, no, the same thing. Mm. And finally, I, as she said, like, I badgered her so much that she's like, you know what? If you want to do a pageant, you can raise your own money and enter the pageant. So to me, that was like a yes. Mm. And that actually um, was the first time I realized the power that I had as a person who is determined. And I realized that if I put enough effort forth, I can do things. And so that, like I said, it was a yes to me. So I found a babysitting job and for almost a year, I babysat every Saturday and I would get like 20 bucks and I would take the $20 and I put it into an envelope in my desk and the envelope got fatter and fatter and fatter. And what ended up happening was people started coming out of the woodwork to help me because they saw what I was doing. And there was a photographer that my mom knew and 
he offered to do like my headshots for free. And this is back when we were on film, you mm -hmm. know, so you actually had to pay for like film and supplies. And he said, if you give me $30, I'll do a professional shoot for you. So he did like, and you know, my mom knew this person. It wasn't just like some person <laughs> in their house, you know, um, we did a photo shoot and that was the first time. Someone in my dance studio loaned me this like national level gown that her daughter had gr grown out of, which I never would have been able to afford mm -hmm. at all. And, you know, so people helped me out. And finally, I, you know, I did the pageant and I got there and I remember getting on stage and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I was just, it was so crazy, but I achieved the goal and it was a great learning experience for me. And I think that is the power of pageantry is that, yes, you see people on stage in swimsuits and you can think a certain way about it, but the work that it takes mm. to get there is can be incredible and i think it's an empowering activity for a child for an adult it's really how you look at it mm -hmm. um, and it's not for everybody not everyone wants to be on stage but for me it just like called me it grabbed me so that's kind of a long-winded way of how I, that's amazing i got into it and i'm here today. and all the stars align you know exactly the dress the photographer yes, it was yes. like meant to be yeah it was really interesting. I and so that. I never competed again till I was an adult. Okay. Because, you know, the reality set in that I need probably more money than mm. I had from babysitting. And um, so I kind of just kind of went in the back burner for a while. But, um, you know, me and my mom talk about this now because she's a huge supporter of me. Now she's like, <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. Like, when's the pageant? I'm coming. You know, that kind of thing. And um yeah now when i compete i am there for a totally different purpose which it's more about community service and i feel like if i had been able to do pageants back then i wouldn't be where i am right now and doing mrs pageants like mrs new york america i have an incredible opportunity to make a huge impact for my platform and for the community work that i do and I don't think I would still have the same drive mm. had I been, you know, able to do it back then. Mm. So that's interesting. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest misconception of beauty pageants? That they're just women prancing around on stage. Mm. And, you know, in some ways they have a point because mm. like, for example, Miss America, it started as a bathing beauty contest in the 20s in Atlantic City. There was women. I read that. Yeah. Like they were just parade around. But as you know, like women were also looked at very differently back. even back you know back then not even yeah like 100 years ago absolutely um so i think it's interesting that pageants now have become more about your platform and you're empowering women and doing things for your community and I, I i like to say that you know only a woman would like take something like that and make it better mm. you know and make it like viable yeah. and relevant yeah. yeah, I was reading last night a little bit, and they started in Atlantic City, and that was to keep the tourists in, right? Yes. So it was yeah. just like, here's women. Like, yeah, here's women. Come, yeah. Come look. Yeah. And, and a lot of the rules kept going back and forth with the bathing suit competition, the bikini competition, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. banned it, then they brought it back. Yeah, I, I think with Miss America, and that's for you know unmarried women. I think up to the age of twenty-five. Is um, it still unmarried? Like, yes. To this day? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. How is that still allowed? Well, that <laughs> That's an interesting question that's debatable, you know, but I think because there's different pageant systems out there. Miss America specifically, I know that the um, being a title holder in that system, I was never 
um, involved in it, but from what I've seen, they're very busy. Mm. So if you, if you had a child and you're traveling 300 days out of the year, it's very difficult to have a family in that scenario. So I can That's understand true. that side of it, but okay. is it a little bit antiquated in that sense? Possibly, mm. but things are changing. Things are changing. And I know Miss America now, they, they don't have a swimsuit competition anymore. It's just more about, um, I'm not 100% sure actually, but I know they don't do that anymore. It's more about the women and like what they're doing in the community. Okay. Um, so Mrs. New York America, we do have a swimsuit competition, but in our state pageant, it's a one piece suit. Okay. Which I think is good. Yeah. Because, you know, women have children. Right. And not everyone is going to have like the body of a 20 year old. Right. You know, um, I, I would say like the, our bodies are better now, but it's nice to be able to, you know, feel confident yeah. in a swimsuit. So. So talk about the other like so it's the swimsuit and then what are the other so there's an interview okay. a personal interview which is 50 percent of the score and that's usually done the night before the okay. actual pageant and that's a big part of it so you meet with a panel of judges and you know you don't know who the judges are really until you get there and um usually it's a panel and you walk in and you just it's just a quick interview like four minutes you just talk about what's important to you and um, why you want to be the next Mrs. New York and what you want to do and or whatever it is that mm-hmm. you want to speak about. And then the following day, we have the on-stage competition. So then we'll have the swimsuit, which counts for 25% of the score, and then evening gown, which is the other 25. And then there's an on-stage question. If you make like top 10 or top five, usually they'll do like the final question, <laughs> you know, and they have dramatic music. Uh-huh. Actually, they don't have dramatic music, but you know, it's dramatic. It's dramatic. It's a pageant. So. And is this filmed? Like, can people watch it? Um, I don't know if they're going to be live streaming this year. Okay. Um, but generally they, they do film it and it will be online. Okay. So all of the previous years, you can actually go back and look, I think up until like 2016, 2017 and on, it's all online. And then you find out that same day they announce the winner. Yeah. Yeah. So based on the scores from the interview mm-hmm. and then the onstage portion and then the question that determines who the winner is. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. All that preparation goes into like one night and one day. Exactly. Yes. It's a lot of pressure. It's, yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just slightly. Just like a little bit. Yeah. So that's you, what makes it fun. Yeah. So you started when you were 11 mm-hmm. and then you took you know that multiple years off yeah multiple years off so <laughs> yeah. when did you get back into it so i got back into it when i was around 28 years old okay so that was like my first pageant and um in the in that style where it's like an interview and it's like a miss pageant you know and you have a local title um and it was a pageant that was held also in upstate new york and I was the first runner up and I was like, okay, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I tried different pageants like before I was married, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I got married that I really focused on um, the Mrs. America organization. And it's just like, I found my place, mm. I think. Um, and I've actually competed. This will be my fourth year competing for that title. So, wow. so if you're talking about like rise and resilience, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like keep getting hit and then keep coming back. Yeah. And that's This it. is yours to take. Right. You're determined. <laughs> yes. I'm very determined. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. So what's the most rewarding part of, you know, being in the pageants? I think actually the unexpected things that happen. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen like on pageant day. And sometimes like you go out on stage and you like hit a pose that's like really confident or you say something in an interview that 
really touches somebody, those are the things that I feel like they're the intangibles, but those are the most rewarding things as far as the pageant goes. But then if you're talking about like the work you do in the community, those are also really rewarding. Like the people you get to meet and mm -hmm. connect with and get to see. So those are the things that are like the best. Right. So it's, it's not the attention. It's not being on stage. It's not the lights, the cameras. It's just yeah. being, you know, making a difference. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, and my mom, we've talked about this too, that the sparkles and the lights and the cameras, that's like the hook. Mm. That's like, oh, what is this? Yeah. But then you realize that it could be, yeah, it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for I say it's like God's way of like getting you in, you know, mm. and then doing this amazing stuff. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So... What's the yeah. most challenging part? Most challenging part, I think, is staying um, focused. And this for me anyway, because um, I mean, I'm very focused on my goals and what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to like not want to work out that day or it's easy to just grab like a quick lunch somewhere. And that's still totally fine. And I definitely do that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's hard to like just stay like focused, focused on the goal for so long. In my case, for so long. But, you know, the more that I focus on it, the better it becomes, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just like, um, it's tough, but... The reward is the so reward much better. Is absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself in that spot. Like, I, I was an athlete my whole life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then when I was no longer an athlete, no, no longer wearing that jersey, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like being active. I like, you know, yeah. feeling good and my body looking good. But that purpose wasn't there. It was like, I don't need to... Or I didn't have to go yeah. to the gym or eat right because I don't have to be on the field. Right. So it's like learning who you are without mm -hmm. the jersey and knowing that that discipline and that focus is, is important. Yeah. So Absolutely. I can totally understand that. Yeah. So how long before do you prepare? Like how far out? So you're going to be the, the pageants in July mm -hmm. for Mrs. New York America. Yes. How far out did you start preparing for this? Um, probably at the close of the, the last, last one, which was in that was also in July of last year. Yeah. So oh wow, every yeah. year. Yeah. So it's not the same level. Like being an athlete, like you understand, like you want to like peak at a certain time mm -hmm. as an athlete, but you you know, so you're not. I'm not like going hard like every day, mm -hmm. but you're in that mindset. And and for me, because I know that I'm not giving up on this, it's always in my mind. So I'm always kind of mentally thinking that you know I'm eventually going to be on stage. And every year I think I get better at my prep mm -hmm. and how, you know, the timing of it and everything. So it does involve like eating well and, you know, exercising and, you know, mentally preparing. Cause really it's the mental game. I think that, um, is the kicker. Like, yeah. yes, you have to have like a nice dress and you have to walk on stage and feel confident, but all of that really goes back to the mental mm. training. And I think, um, athletics really is a, you know, that's positive and helping with that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say probably like I'm prepping all year. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but oh, I think sense. that's the athlete in me too. Right. It's like, I already know that what it's going to take. Right. Don't you know? turn the switch off. You exactly. Just keep it on. Exactly. So mm -hmm. what's your like gym and diet routine like? Um, so I was going to say like blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, like literally I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I work out every day. Okay. I try to do some form of cardio, um, weight training, uh, just, you know, and some days if I'm not feeling it, having 
um, the grace to be like, it's okay. I can just chill. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. Because again, it's seriously like that athlete mentality is like, you know, you have to train, you have to train. And sometimes it's okay to relax. Right. But generally I'm, you know, hitting the gym like every, almost every day with respect to nutrition. I just try to eat clean and healthy mm-hmm. and I do have cheeseburgers and I do eat like <laughs> cookies and um, all of that. Like it's, that's part of me too. But, you know, I think just eating clean and just trying to be focused and not being like thinking you need to be skinny or right. like emaciated, but strong, strong, you know, cause yeah. That's the new thing is yeah. For totally. women, it mm-hmm. was like frowned upon to lift weights and you need to be skinny. And I feel like we're as a, as a whole, we are reaching like this new thing about women being in the gym, lifting and just being like muscular yeah. rather than being so skinny. So exactly. I love that. I think yeah. that's so important. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance, you know, cause it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you, you, you're going to eat a cheeseburger. You're going to eat cookies. And yeah, I think when you, when people learn to be to find that balance and like yeah. you know, you're majority of the time you're eating clean mm-hmm. but you do have those cheat days you have yeah. those days where you know what I'm not mentally into it for the gym I'm going to take today off that's yeah. okay so how do you balance you know being a nurse being a mom you know preparing for these pageants mm-hmm. how do you do that yeah well it's definitely a lot harder with a child mm. because they come first right so you know, I may want to exercise one night, but if my baby is like crying, I need to go stop what I'm doing or not exercise and take care of her. Mm-hmm. So that's always in my mind. So I think being flexible, number one, is the biggest thing. But apart from that, you do need a schedule and you have to execute the schedule. And if you say, I'm going to work out from six to seven, it's not like, oh, I, I'm going to be on Instagram from <laughs> like, and I've been victim of that too. I'm like, look at these, you know, pretty dresses and yeah. stuff that you want to see. <laughs> Um, but it's like, no, you got to go in and just um, get it done, um, but also be flexible. So that's really how I balance everything is I look at my week ahead and see, like, what do I need to do? What do I need to accomplish this week? And then I just set goals for myself and I try to make those happen. But with the understanding that it might not work out exactly as I want. And I've had to let go of that mm. because I think I'm, I am a little bit of a perfectionist. I've had... I have those tendencies. Like I said, I really want to achieve a lot and I strive for excellence and all of that. So sometimes having to just not always be in control mm. is, is, is actually a good thing. So I'm, I've been learning that like, yeah, over time. I, I agree. I like that. Yeah. And it's, life is just all about learning. You know, we're all going through the same thing, similar things, you know, yeah. trying to find time for ourselves, for the gym, for, you know, children. Yeah. So I like that. Mm-hmm. It's, being flexible. Yes. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's talk about a little bit of like your competition and do you interact with them? Do you know them beforehand? How is that whole thing? So you may be surprised to learn that it's actually a sisterhood. Like okay. when you are actually at the pageant, people are likely more likely to help you than want to see you fail. Okay. You know, because ultimately we're all there competing with each other, not necessarily against each other yes it's a competition um but at the same time like everyone's put effort forth and i think you see the best come out of in people when people are helping like zip up dresses or Mm. you know you know just helping or you know if you don't know something about your hair you know someone will help you and and i mean i really haven't had much experience with people just being like catty okay um i think what 
happens is that people are nervous and people are worried about, you know, the stage or, you know, they're in a zone that they're not fully themselves. Mm. So I, I've seen people sometimes get short, but I don't think it's meant to be like rude. Mean, yeah. Yeah. But I don't see it much That's to be good. honest with you. Like I don't. That's good. Yeah. So. I was thinking of uh, the movie Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're all Classic. like, yeah, when they're all getting ready and um, it's the, the scene where uh, oh my god, what's her name in the movie? But so the FBI is like, all right, this is off, we're done, we're not yeah. doing it. And then she comes back, she's mm-hmm. like running late, and all the girls like, yeah, we're to get ready. That is that's okay, actually reflective of reality. <laughs> good, like they would step in and help. I that's mean, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's really cool about it. I love that. So, how do you handle some of the pressures that you know may come with being in beauty pageants? Like, what's what's your outlet? Like sometimes you need to, you know, turn your phone off is, you know, how does that work for you? Yeah, I think just kind of disconnecting and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be on social media for Mm. a week or I'm not going to, you know, do this for a day. Um, I I don't necessarily for me personally, I don't need to shut off um, because I don't give over so much of myself to those platforms that I need to step, you know, completely have a detox. Um, not to say that I'm perfect, you know, like I have times where I'm like, okay, I need to get off Facebook or whatever. Um, but I think kind of stepping back, um, is good. Mm -hmm. You know, another outlet I have is working out and just spending time by myself. I think I'm the type of person that I am sort of like an, um, extroverted introvert or introverted extrovert, whatever that is. Like (laughs) I like to be on stage. I like to like be talking to you, but I know that I need time for myself. So the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I need to like go look at a lake or like yeah. <laughs> go do something, have a coffee in the parking lot. Right. You know, self-care basically. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. I like that. So, so leading up to the, the, the pageant, so like mm-hmm. your, your judges aren't looking on social media. So none of that really matters. Right. Um, or are they, I don't know. Okay. I mean, they could be, you know, okay. they could be looking. I think ultimately it's really important to have a, positive presence Mm -hmm. on social media and because it shows self-control if you can be positive or refrain from really getting entrenched in some of the hot button issues and not that you shouldn't have an opinion Mm -hmm. but i think it's really important especially if you're a leader in your community people are looking at you and if you are easily swayed into multiple arguments i i think it doesn't reflect well on you it doesn't reflect well in your state of life um I think about my daughter, like if she looked back at this in 10 years, 20 years, would she be proud? You know, well, I'm, I'm proud. but <laughs> yeah, like it's changed for me, like deeply mm-hmm. where I'm thinking about the future. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, so back to the competition, mm-hmm. what makes like what parts of New York, like make up the pageant in terms of like who's running for Mrs. New York America? So anyone that lives in the state of New York. Okay. So we have girls that are from the upstate area. Okay. Um, we have girls from down here, um, you know, the Hudson Valley, like the mid So it, it breaks down that, that, so is there like Miss Brooklyn, Miss? Yes. Mrs. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there is, um, I don't know if there's a Mrs. Brooklyn yet, but we do have, yeah, girls from the city. Okay. And then um, we also have a Miss division in the pageant. So okay. that was added a couple years ago. Um, so that's kind of nice, actually, because you have another individual that, you know, would be kind of, you know, having a reign with you. 
Um, but yeah, that you could come from any part of the state, and then we're all competing for the state. This is New York. Okay. Yeah, and it's only lasts one year. Only one year. Okay. Yeah, if you do not win the national title, and if you win, because usually Mrs. America is several months after um, the state pageant. So if you were to win Mrs. America, then you'd have your reign would be extended, you know, because you'd become the national title holder. Okay. And then you'd have a longer time reigning. Because there's a lot of pageants. I don't think people realize. There's a lot of pageants. There are a lot. But Mrs. America organization is one of the oldest. Um, I think it is actually the oldest pageant, Mrs. Pageant system. Uh-huh. Um, this is the 44th year for uh-huh. the Mrs. New York America. So it's been consistent throughout that time. And there are many. And I think you have to find, you have to be involved in things that speak to you, especially mm-hmm. as you get older and, you know, having limited time as a mom or just as an adult Mm -hmm. you want to spend time in things that mean something to you and for mrs america the reason i stay in it is because of the family aspect like their motto is literally we are family Mm -hmm. and then this this will kind of relate to my platform which we'll talk about later but i connect with families Mm -hmm. you know so that's why i keep coming back to it because it makes sense for me to be there it just it feels like this is for me Mm -hmm. um whether I win Mrs. New York ever or not, it's, I just love, love it. I love so. it. Nice. So the winner of Mrs. New York America mm-hmm. then has the ability to run for Mrs. America. Yes. Yes. And then if they were to win that, mm-hmm. is there like, does you keep going on and yes. on? Yes. If you win Mrs. America, you'll go to Mrs. World. So that is when you have oh, the wow. national title holders from all over. It's almost like the Mrs. version of Miss Universe. Okay. Where you have all, maybe not as many contestants, because I think, you know, Miss Universe, it's almost like every single country, but right. it's a large pageant still. The Mrs. Um, world organization, they have women from all over the world that are competing for Mrs. World. So it's like the sky is the limit. Yeah. You know? And like- that's another reason why I stayed because that possibility of being right. able to be like an international title holder, talk about the impact that you'd have then, you know, Insane. so it's inspiring. And that's what yeah. keeps me going. I love that. So there's the four like big ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's Miss Earth, mm-hmm. Miss Universe, yes. Miss World. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Um, I believe maybe United States. Okay. Um, there's so that those are Miss. They have you, a Miss division. So you can you cannot be married. It's Miss. Right. Right. A lot of those pageants do have a Misses division okay. as well. So you have the option. You have the option. Okay, that's good. It just depends. It depends on where you are. Yeah. I was reading, and the I think I hope this is true. Um, mm-hmm. The Philippines holds the most titles. Okay. I, think, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. My my fiance is Filipino. Oh, wow. So okay. I was like, so, yes, let's go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They are like, America is excited about pageantry, but the Philippines and like other countries, especially like South America, it's like, it's a way of life. Talk about a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life over there. And I sometimes say like I was born in the wrong country because <laughs> I should have been in like Venezuela or something where it's like, you know, whatever. It's true. Um, or, or the Philippines or something. I think they value it. So, like, mm-hmm. it's very different. Yes. It's very important yeah. for them. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I read that. I, I, was, I was like, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. They, they sure do hold a lot of titles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the fact that you're a black belt in okay. taekwondo. Yes. Former Team USA. Mm-hmm. Tell me all about that experience. Okay. So I actually started Taekwondo by accident. Okay. Like I like to say, because it's a very interesting story. I was staying in a hotel in Chicago and, and I always preface the story by saying that I was, I'm fine because it freaks people out. (laughs) But I, um, woke up in this hotel at like four o'clock in the morning 
and I had a bad feeling. Like you just like a feeling there's something wrong here. And I sat up in bed and the door to my room was open, <gasps> was wide open. Like, you know, could have had an animal in there. And I was kind of, I had just woken up. So I'm like, what's going on? I know this is bad. And I heard like someone like yelling outside. And I'm like, what's going on? And finally I started to wake up. I got out of bed and just like went, I don't know what kind of courage that was, but like, I just went to the door to see like what was going on. Um, and what had happened was a late arriving business traveler had been given the key to my room by mistake. And he was supposed to be in the other room, like next to me. And it was like three in the morning or something. And um, so, like I said, I was fine. But I realized in that moment that had that person not had the best intentions or saw some opportunistic thing, I mean, I was literally sleeping in a bed. Mm. I don't know. I would have, of course, like fought because I'm an Aries and <laughs> I'm a fighter, I guess. But I didn't know if I would have had the mental state of mind to be present that I would have just been going on like the fight or flight and that would have been part of it. But I don't think I would have had the mental presence to be able to effectively fight. Mm. I wouldn't have known techniques. I wouldn't have known what to do. So that was a, you know, a life changing moment for me. So when I got home to New York, I was getting off of the train one day and I saw a martial arts school and I was like, let me go see what that is. Didn't know, you know, because originally I was looking for self-defense classes, any type, like maybe a police officer would teach it or I don't know, mixed martial arts. I didn't even know. And I walked in and it was a traditional Taekwondo school. There was a Korean flag on the wall next to an American flag. I'm like, oh, traditional martial arts. Never thought of that. And so I started talking to the master that was there. And I realized that, you know, if I start this process, because I'm the type of person like I want to finish what I started. I need to get a black belt. I'm not going to like quit at green belt and be mm -hmm. like, okay, well, it was really hard. And, you know, and then I also like to say that when I had joined the school about three months in, I was probably like a green belt or yellow belt or something. I remember the instructor, we were in like the push up position, like on our knuckles. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, you need to stay here for like five minutes. And then we're going to do like 50 push ups after. And I remember looking at the floor and there's like sweat, like dripping off my face. And I'm like, what have I done? What have I done? How am I going to get a black belt? I'm only a green belt at this point. Um, but I stuck through it and it took me th like three and a half years, but I finally achieved the getting a black belt and it was a five and a half hour test and it was crazy. Yeah. You were a black belt in three and a half years. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I went a lot. I started going a lot. <laughs> Um, just because I started having that, like that drive and mm -hmm. that, um, I think I've always wanted um, to be an athlete. And, you know, when I was talking about pageants and I saw the trophies in the room, I knew that that took hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I think, you know, we think we talk about like kids today that, you know, they're, everything is instant. Everyone's on social media. Everyone wants something right now. There are people and children, I believe that desire that discipline, that mm -hmm. want to work hard for something of value. Because I had that. Sure. I knew that it, I wouldn't just get a trophy. I would have to like train for a year or whatever to even be in the pageant. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just want to say that, you know, because yeah. that, that part of it um, is so key is, you know, just to have that desire, but also to, you know, know that it's going to take work. Right. Um, so the three and a half years really just came from me having that 
desire and the discipline to keep going. And, um, you know, actually very early on when I started martial arts, um, I injured my knee like really bad before I was a yellow belt, I think, or maybe I was, it was like the first belt after white belt in our school. Mm-hmm. And I literally dislocated my knee and I had to make a choice then, like, do I continue on doing this? Because I'm not a teenager mm-hmm. even, I'm like 29 years old, you know, at that point, mm-hmm. like, do I continue doing this? And I did because it's important and I wanted to get that black belt and frankly, nothing was going to stop me. So resilience right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So do you do any other mixed uh, martial arts? So I don't. Okay. I've always wanted to try at least other styles because, you know, in martial arts community, it's like sometimes people are like, oh, well, karate is the best or BJJ is the best. And yes, you may have techniques in there Mm -hmm. that may be superior to maybe something in Taekwondo, but Taekwondo has its value. Mm -hmm. I think they all have pieces that are very effective. Um, So I don't like that argument of like- What's better? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, But my knee, unfortunately, I have had to be really, really careful since I started to not, like I can't really do grappling. I can't really Mm. do a lot of the jumping kicks um, on that leg. And you know, martial arts, you have to do both sides. Right. So it's, it's been a journey. So no, I haven't, unfortunately. Okay. How did you get in, on the Team USA? Tell us about that. So again, that was another thing that happened, just <laughs> kind, not by accident, because at that point it was a lot of training. But um, when I was a brown belt, so I had been in the school for almost maybe like two years, a year and a half. To get your black belt, you had to compete in five like local tournaments, okay. like with your school. That was just their requirement because they wanted you to have that competition experience. And our school like changed locations at one point. So it took me till I was like, I don't know, around two years in Mm -hmm. to even start competing. And in Taekwondo, they have um, sparring and they have pumse, which is forms. So that's like the, you know, the art part basically. And um, in the Olympic world, Taekwondo is in the Olympics, but only for sparring, but they still have Team USA level sports for other sports that are not in the Olympics. I personally think, and that's just an aside, but you know, Taekwondo, if you're accepting that into the Olympic program, you should also have the forms as well, you know, because that's part of the history and the, right. the art that's of the it. Sport. Yeah, exactly. Sport. Yeah. So they, right now they don't, but it is a team USA sport. Okay. So it is a world level. Like you can go to the world championships, all of that. Okay. Um, so I just one day competed. And I, I won. And, you know, I was like, okay, cool. You know, it wasn't like, um, you know, a thing too much. I'm like, I'm, I'm a brown belt. You know, people are learning. And I, however, I do remember seeing a video before I competed because I was like looking online to see, okay, I need to prepare for this competition. And my school taught me some things. But, and I found this video of um, a high level Taekwondo team that were doing these forms like the black belt forms, but mm-hmm. at an extremely high level. And it was like, another, that was another moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was entranced, <laughs> you know? And it led me down a certain path. And it was so beautiful and powerful. And I'm like, I wanna do that. Um, but I, at that time I was like a brown belt, you know, I, was, you know, I had some skills, but I was still learning. Um, and so I just started competing here and there, local tournaments in Queens. Mm-hmm. And I started doing well. And someone suggested, they're like, oh, you should try like the New York state championships because 
you know, you can go to nationals if you do that. And this is when I was a red belt. So I was almost to black belt, but not quite there. So I did, and I, I went to that tournament when I was a red belt and um, I got the silver medal. And then I qualified to go to nationals, which was in Dallas, Texas that year. Um, and I went and then I ended up winning at nationals wow. as a colored belt. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is very scary. It was like a gigantic mat, you know, mm -hmm. um, but after that, I got my black belt. And then when you become a black belt, now you're competing with all the black belts. So if someone is there who has been doing martial arts since they were in the womb, you're competing against them. It doesn't matter what Don you are. Like if you're like first degree, second mm -hmm. degree, third, everyone is in there. So it suddenly becomes really, really hard. Mm -hmm. um, but I started to have that dream of like, I want to be on the national team one day. That would be like mind blowing, you know? Um, and that led me down a path of just over the years, just competing and competing and trying to get better and kind of going all over the country and training with different teams. And um, in 2017, July 3rd in Detroit, Michigan, I'll never forget, probably what, 8.42 a.m. and 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, myself, I was on a team with two other women and um, it was a three person team for forms. Um, and we, we won nationals. And wow. I like to say that I have lost instead of the, instead of the local competitions, I've lost every other competition that I've really been in, um, at the national level, at the international level. I've, you know, I've never won there, but I won when it counted, mm. you know, and like that. that you know, and from there, we um, actually advanced to an international competition that was held in Las Vegas. And ironically, at the same hotel that the Mrs. America competition is held at, we advanced to that competition and we won the gold there. So, Congrats. yeah. So that was, you know, after that, I kind of started my family and I don't think I'm done. I'm not done with athletics. Okay. It's just I'm taking a break. I like right that. Now. But yeah. Mm -hmm. So you think you're going to eventually go back to Taekwondo or something else? I think I'll probably continue just because I, I want to push myself. Mm -hmm. um, but if I could try other forms of martial arts, I would. What, I would definitely try it. What would you be most interested in trying? Um, probably like karate or something with kicking because like Taekwondo, we do a lot of kicking and uh -huh. stuff like that. So That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that you've manifested everything that's happened in your life because it's it sounds like everything you see something you know you want it and you just you you just you you picture yourself doing it yes like you never put the limitations on yourself would you say that's like a huge way in like your thinking and that, your success absolutely I, mean, I never thought of it like that but because yeah, that's how it sounds Okay, yeah. You see something, you want it, and you mm -hmm. just can't stop thinking about it. Like, right. you picture you pictured yourself on Team USA. Yes. The minute, you know, you became a, a brown belt or yeah. a yellow belt. Yeah. Or, and Even I, though it was, like, a far-fetched right. thing, you, I saw... Yeah, you're right. You I saw did. yourself doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge believer in, like, manifestation. Okay, yeah. So... That's... Then the, yeah, that's yeah. what I did. Because it's not just, like... I look at that thing over there and I want it. It, it spoke to me, mm -hmm. you know, because I think you, there, you have to have a certain level of openness mm -hmm. to get on your true journey. And those things, you know, and sometimes you don't understand them. Right. So I think that's the faith part where you just do it without knowing what the outcome is going to be. be. 
Um, and it's the same with the pageant too. Like I have no idea what the outcome is. And I'm on a specific journey though. And I know that I'll know when I'm at the end of that journey, you know, but yeah, it's the same, exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting, amazing. that's yeah. exciting, <laughs> like, wow, yeah. So I wanna get into um, your uh, platform a little mm-hmm. bit and the fact that you're an advocate for Duchenne muscular mm-hmm. dystrophy. Yes. Um, and I know that hits close to home for you, so mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. Sure, definitely. So Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, Never thought that would be in my life. Not something I wanted to manifest. It definitely right. wasn't in that range. Right. Um, so in the early part of the 2000s, my cousin was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And usually the diagnosis comes around the age of anywhere from like two to four, generally around four years old. Wow, very it's young. Very young. And what happens is either like an occupational therapist or a doctor will notice that the child is either you know, having trouble getting up off the floor in a certain way and they, they position themselves in a certain way to get up off the floor or they may have delays in speaking sometimes, not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of my cousin, I believe it was either a physical or occupational therapist that had noticed that the way he was getting up off the floor or walking was um, was not that it was wrong, but it was developmentally different than a a child his own age. And so what happens then is he was tested um, by blood for this disorder and he was found that he had this. And what it is, is it's a gene deletion. Um, It's a a genetic disorder and it's the protein that codes for dystrophin, which is the Dystrophin is what allows your muscles to rebuild themselves. And that is literally either doesn't function optimally or mm-hmm. it, it's not present or something different. There's different forms of Duchenne. Um, but he, that he was found to be um, have Duchenne. And at that same time, uh, the doctors said that, the you know, this is an X-linked genetic disorder, meaning that it is oftentimes passed down through the mother's side of the family because the a female has two X's for their chromosomes and mm-hmm. then, you know, males are XY. So on one of the chromosomes, the, um, the, the deletion occurs. Okay. So we were suggested to get tested to see if we were carriers for the disease. Because what happens is because females have two X's, we have that other chromosome to kind of take over for the parts that are not functioning properly on the other X, which is, it sounds confusing, but mm-hmm. basically females generally don't exhibit the same symptoms. And um, I was found to be a carrier. So that means I have a 50% chance of passing it on to a child, whether that be a female or a male. And if it's a male, it's the actual disease. And if it's a female, carrier status. Okay. And sometimes female carriers can manifest. So that means that you could have, sometimes you have an enlarged heart or you have muscle fatigue or you have, you know, any number of things, okay. but sometimes you feel nothing. Um, so we were tested and several women in my family were found to be carriers as well. So this is how my cousin ended up having it. There are instances where it is a spontaneous mutation of okay. the gene. So it can just happen. Like you don't even, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just, you know, biology. Mm -hmm. Um, So testing is very important. Um, So 
at the time that my cousin was diagnosed, mm. we started to take action. Mostly my my aunt and her family, and then my mom got involved, and then you know my other aunt, and we would do like walkathons um, and different types of fundraisers just to raise awareness. And we began working with Parent Project Muscular Dystrophy, which is the patient advocacy group that is an incredible organization, so supportive, um, and they we've been they've been in our lives for the whole time. So my cousin, he just turned 22 years old. So, you know, we've been with them Mm -hmm. and I got more involved after I became a nurse and I started to understand the power of advocating for somebody. And as I mentioned, I'm an operating room nurse. So the patient is asleep, you know, and if a lot of times when you're in the hospital, for example, the patient Mm -hmm. is aware of what's going on. Right. If they are given a medication, they're like, this doesn't make me feel good or this gave me a reaction, you're gonna report that to the doctor and then perhaps the doctor's gonna change the course of the medication, et cetera. When the patient is sleeping, you're their eyes and ears. Like, if you don't say anything, something could occur. And it's not that they're meaning to do anything, it's just, it's surgery. Mm -hmm. So things happen, happen quickly. So I started to realize that I could have a connection between my, I mean, it's literally like a passion like it's sort of like martial arts because taekwondo for example is a defensive martial art like you know you're doing a block or you're doing a punch you're defending someone or yourself and advocacy for me is like that Mm -hmm. i can defend someone but i can you know literally speak up for them um so being a nurse kind of like enliven that in Mm -hmm. me and martial arts um and that's when i started really getting involved with um, the actual advocacy where we're approaching um, our lawmakers for funding for research dollars and you know basically walking arm in arm with the families in the muscular dystrophy community um, so that that's really where it started okay. from but it was definitely like a personal right. connection because the experiences that I had in my family I know that there's thousands of other families that are having the same or similar experiences mm-hmm. so being able to feel empowered enough to to stand up and say something because some of these families um they have the best intentions they would want to speak up they may not have the means to travel to washington Mm dc they may not be emotionally ready to do that so that's where we step in as advocates to um, talk to our lawmakers in congress so for someone to get the disease Mm -hmm. um does the spouse, like the male, have to be a genetic carrier too? Does it have to be 50-50? No. The male, oh, wow. the spouse doesn't usually have anything to do, to with, do with it. it. It's, it's the female. It's just the female. Yes. So I know in my case, it was um, a conversation that I had to have with my husband before he was my husband. Absolutely. And I'm the type of person, I'm very forthcoming with that type of information. But then again, you don't want to be on like a first date and say, you know, by the way, when we have kids, you know, this is what the deal is. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a precarious situation. But luckily, um, I think we had dated about a year. I just I started talking to him about that and just mentioning that this is where I stand. And it's not that we can't have children because some people do opt not to, but it may not be through the natural way it would have to be through in vitro fertilization okay because the embryos would have to be tested okay um to see if they're either a carrier or they actually carry the disorder um is that what you did and that's what i did yes okay. 
So I went through, um, you know, egg retrieval, minor surgery, a lot of genetic testing, genetic counseling, um, because for me, I did want children. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to take a risk that, you know, there is a chance that the baby would be fine, but 50% is very, very high. Yes, it is. You know, and also given my age, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm over the age of 30. So, you know, there's a chance that, you know, you're going to have, you may have other issues related to that. So, so we went with the, um, IVF form of family planning and, and that's the other part of it that a lot of people, not that they don't understand, but in parent project muscular dystrophy, for example, our slogan, well, one of the things that we say is end Duchenne because it's not necessarily about curing it. It's about Ending stopping it. it. Yeah, yeah. Just stopping it in its tracks. And for some, you know, some <clears throat> people have children already that have Duchenne and now they know that they're probably not going to have more children or they would go through genetic testing. In my case, I didn't have children yet. Right. And for me, ending Duchenne is literally a life, a lifestyle choice um, where either I decide not to have children or I go through other means of doing that or I take a risk. But for me, and you know, there's a lot philosophically you can we can get into that discussion, but I just wanted to have a healthy child mm. if possible. Um, so it's really affected every part of my family mm. and my family planning. So that's, you know, also makes me very invested mm -hmm. with this whole community because I feel it like every aspect. I may not have a son with Duchenne muscular, dy muscular dystrophy, but I know many people who do. My cousin has it. You mm -hmm. know, I'm a carrier. I understand the struggles mm -hmm. and the hardships. And as a nurse as well, I also see things a different way. So I think I'm also in a unique position because as a healthcare professional under stress, you're able to act, you know, in an emergency right. or in an emotional situation. And I think not having my own son has helped in me being able to advocate as strongly as I do, because it's, it's a highly emotionally charged, um, situation. And that, that goes into my platform because, mm -hmm. um, my platform is called the power of your story. And what I found is in advocacy situations, when you tell your personal story, that is what people remember. It's also unique to you. No one can really like fight you mm -hmm. on what your experience has been. But when we approach lawmakers, for example, if I just sit there with a bunch of charts and say, well, this medication does this, and this is how many people have it, that's information that's needed, that's educational. But you can glaze over after right. a certain time. But if they understand the face behind these charts mm. and why we're asking for funding that we are asking for, they're much more likely to sign on to appropriations letters or things that are needed to provide funding for research for Duchenne. That's so true. So mm. you recently did that in March. You met yes. with congressmen yes. and women. Yes. How did that go? That it was amazing. It's Good. it's you know it's always a little bit scary at yeah. first. Um, and one of the reasons that my platform is called The Power of Your Story is because I was I remember being in a meeting, and this is not this year because it was virtual this year. Last year we had a meeting in um, Senator Schumer's office with his staff member, and there was a wonderful um, grandmother there advocating for her grandson. And she started talking and emotion just came. came. 
And that happens a lot, um, just because if you can imagine it's your family member right. and it, no pressure, you're in your congressperson's office, you know, you're, you have to talk. Mm-hmm. It just made me realize like how important it is to say, be able to express the feelings that you have so mm-hmm. our lawmakers can understand why they need to act, you know? So it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. And that's really what my goal is with my platform is just working with individuals and families to help them tell their story in the proper way. And if we need to, we have, you know, bullet points or we have it on paper. So if they have to read it, they read it, but they get to say everything that Mm -hmm. they want to say. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like the research and the funding, um, what's like the main goal in terms of like, is there things that we still don't know about the disease that we need to learn more? Or is the goal, like like you said before, to really just end it and to just educate families like, hey, mm-hmm. genetic testing is important. Yes. You should go get tested. Yes. Family planning should be a part of, all right, let's figure out what genes we may carry. Mm-hmm. That way we don't continue and we can end certain diseases. Yeah. I mean, we know enough about where the disease comes from, how it happens, that you know it comes through the female line or it could be spontaneous. Okay. We know about the process of it. There's always you know, surprises, you know, just in science in general, I think you're always in that mindset of learning, but we know enough where now there are FDA approvals for certain drugs that actually parent project muscular dystrophy, one of the only patient advocacy groups that has gotten five different FDA approvals for um, gene therapies and different types of drugs that will help combat this and stop it in its tracks. Um, I think there's always something to learn, but we're at the point now where we need, we just need to continue the, the research, the funding, the science mm-hmm. we need to, you know, and that's why every year we go to Capitol Hill every year consistently and ask for $10 million wow. confidently, 12 million this year, because we need, we need high, we need the brightest minds out there in the CDC, the FDA, all of these, we need those people working on this and we need governmental money really of course you know and also i just want to say this it is a bipartisan um issue because it's a human issue Mm -hmm. we need both republicans and we need democrats so it's not about who did you vote for it's about let's have government work we literally extend our hands out to both sides of the aisle and say let's work together and they do sign on republicans and democrats and they actually Work, work together. together. It's amazing <laughs> how that works, you know? So that's why it's important. Mm, yeah. I love that. So in terms of, you know, you building your family, mm-hmm. so having a son is, is not an option at all, even with the genetic testing? It is an option. Oh, okay. It is an option. Um, it We would just, you know, it would be a son that um, did not have Duchenne. Okay. You know, because... And so they test all of... They test embryos. Yes. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's a very um, emotional process too, because yes, they're microscopic embryos, but knowing, you know, because when you do this sort of testing, you know if it's a female or a male. Right. And and then sometimes, you know, you have a, you know, an embryo transfer and this happens in the fertility world. Sometimes that doesn't work, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's very, it's an interesting dichotomy. Like how do you attach emotionally to it? And you kind of have to stay far away from it, but then you're also involved. So so yes, having a son is possible, okay. but it involves testing. The testing. Yeah. I think that's a lot of, I mean, just in infertility in general, mm-hmm. I think a lot more people suffer with that than 
what we're than what we know. And I yes. think there's like a stigma behind it. And yeah. A lot of women don't aren't comfortable talking mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. it takes a toll on your body mentally. Yes. It's exhausting. It it puts stress on a, a marriage. Mm-hmm. So I think just being able to speak about that in general and women being comfortable saying, Hey, you know, I suffered this. Yeah. I went through this and I think that's just something that we need to do as women. Just I agree. be so open to talking about it. I agree. So. And then, you know, just knowing that there is support out there, right. knowing that someone can approach, you know, even though it's not exactly related to what I do, I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, I'm available to mm-hmm. talk to and just seeing people. And I know in the pageant world, there are women that use that as their platform and they have that because it's so personal to them. And that's a way of breaking the stigma is having those platforms that directly deal with infertility or the stigma surrounding that mm-hmm. and breaking the silence. Yeah. We have to be better as women. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> We're going to do it. Yes, but we will. And that's the thing about women. Like, we will do it. We will so. do it. Yeah. We're determined. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you could tell a young girl mm-hmm. or someone your own age who may lack confidence, you know, to follow their dreams and to put themselves out there, what would you tell them? I would say that you know the things that are important to you because you feel them mm-hmm. in your heart. And you may not know how to express it yet, or you may be a little confused about what your purpose or your journey is in life, but you have to listen to your heart. You know, as you know, cliched as that is, there are, I believe that you are uniquely made in specific, in a specific way. And that's part of life's joy and life's journey is mm-hmm. finding out what those things are that make you tick and passionately and fearlessly pursuing it. That's why I'm still here doing the pageant, you know, because it is in my heart. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I don't, if I win in July or I don't win for the next 10 years or I never win. It's there and Mm -hmm. I'm following it. Mm -hmm. And it's because I know it's inside. And, you know, people will naysay. People will not understand what you're doing. Like, oh, she's still doing that. You know, that kind of an attitude, you know, or, oh, it's, it's a pageant. Oh, it's a sexist thing okay, fine, you know, but knowing that you can do so much with it and it's your dream and, and like your story, no one can take your dream away from you. You just have to passionately and fearlessly pursue it. So that's what I would say. I do it. it. Go. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Motivating me. Awesome. Um, so what would it mean to you to win Mrs. New York America? I don't even know. It would be a moment. I'd probably have like an out-of-body experience. (laughs) I would know what's happening, but it would mean so much to me because yes, it's a personal dream that I have. And like I said, that's what like hooked me in, like the glitz and the glamour and it's fun and exciting, but I know what I can do Mm. with the title. And I could, you know, just the the visibility factor that you can give more voice to Duchenne muscular dystrophy. There are many great causes out there, but I think not a lot of people know what Duchenne is and how that's so important for family planning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that there are people in your community that are dealing with this right now. And so winning would, would be everything. It would be a dream come true. Honestly. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I'm rooting for you. Awesome. Um, so who has been the most influential to you or Gosh. it could be multiple people? Yeah. You know, I used to say, and it still is, but Michelle Obama is just, I think a classy woman. She also was an IVF mom. Hmm. She's from Chicago like me. She's someone that I would want to emulate. You know, she had a platform, you know, and she, she literally walked her talk. 
So she had, sure. yeah, like she got up every morning. She was, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. on the treadmill. <laughs> so I admire that. Um, but just walking the talk, anyone that like walks the talk really is someone that I take notice of because mm. it's inspiring because I know, like I said, the dreams that I have take work. Right. And sometimes it's hard just to constantly push yourself. So when you see someone else doing that, and you know, now my biggest hero is Pat Furlong, who is the founder with, along with other parents and grandparents of Parent Project Musculodystrophy. She is a nurse, she was an educator, and she had um, two sons who had Duchenne. And she literally was told when, this is back in 19, the early 90s, mm-hmm. just to basically go home and enjoy them because there's no hope, there's no cure for this. So just mm. have a good life. I mean, I'm sure they didn't say it like, have a good life, you know, right. but that there wasn't the hope that there is now. And so sitting around a dining room table with other parents and grandparents as just a mom and a nurse, she founded this organization. And that's why it's called Parent Project, Muscular Dystrophy. And 20 years later, we have been on Capitol Hill. We have five FDA approvals. There are advocates that are being grown throughout the United States and New York. Um, She's literally someone I want to be like mm-hmm. she's just incredible and authentic and i think that's what it is she did something that was in her heart um yeah so she's like literally my hero I love that. <laughs> yeah that's amazing and you get to work alongside her and, and fight with her so that's yes. like probably the best feeling yeah. for you yeah yeah she's considered one of the foremost advocates in the entire world for wow. Duchenne muscular dystrophy yeah so that that's what that's who i want to be and that you know? was it founded on Long Island? Or? Um, I believe it might be in New Jersey. New Jersey? I'm not okay, 100%. But it's it's, yes, it was tri-state. in the Tri-State. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this was amazing. And I want to leave off with something fun. Okay. If you could choose one superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> so I would choose to uh, speak every language Ooh, in the world. I heard that recently. Someone said that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Because if you think about being on a train in New York City, there are so many languages mm. going on and people are having very animated discussions. And not that I would want to eavesdrop on them, but I would kind of want to know like, what's going on? I would like to talk, <laughs> to, I like connecting. I mm-hmm. want to know right. what's happening. And um, I think language is the key to understanding of not just like physical understanding, but having more compassion for mm. other cultures because that language is the key to their entire world. And if we can understand each other more, I think we could have world peace. (laughs) (laughs) Thought of that pageant answer quickly there, but yeah, but literally, you know, we can have more understanding. So I think that would be amazing to speak Mm. every language. I like that. Because I could travel and yeah, Yeah. it'd be awesome. Do you speak any other language besides Um, English? I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but it's not like native level really. Um, I've always loved the Latin culture and like the the food and the music and you know I just I've loved that about it so mm-hmm. I've tried to learn here and there yeah but it's you know I want to yeah I mean I took I took French in high school okay. but like I was young and I was like eh. I, I yeah. wish I could go back and like be yeah, like in in, yeah and then in college I took a little bit of Spanish mm-hmm. But I, I want to, like, make it a point to learn, like, a second lang- yeah. language. My, uh, like I said before, my fiancé is Filipino, okay, so they yeah. speak Tagalog. Mm-hmm. And I'm always surrounded by his family. And to know, like, what's not, 
I don't know what they're saying. And like, that's so frustrating for me. Well, I have that experience because my husband, his family is from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when they're together as a family, they're taught, they're speaking to Mandarin. And I'm starting to like understand, mm -hmm. but like not really, because that's, right. that's a hard language yeah. to learn. Um, but yeah, I, so I totally get that. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. I just sit here. I don't know. Yeah. I always nudge at my fiance. I'm like, translate. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. Like, what's happening? Yeah. What did you just say? You yeah. Know? It's, but he can't. So, the good thing is, he can't speak it. So, I don't feel super left out, but okay. he can understand it. Yeah. So, it's not like he's speaking it and I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. He can at least listen and then, mm -hmm. like, kind of translate. Yeah. But I would like, I mean, those languages are, are not easy to learn. No, no, no. no. So, <laughs> it would be a, a challenge, but worth it. Yeah. So, totally. so maybe uh, next time I see you, we'll be speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll like greet each other in a different language. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Yes. Um, how can people connect with you? Um, you know, follow your journey with the pageant, or you know, even help with the the fundraising and the things mm -hmm. that you do. Well, um, I have a website. It's okay. Jessica So that's one way. Instagram is probably the best way. Um, I I use Facebook, but I would say I use Instagram more. So it's Jessica underscore Fabus underscore Chang, um, you know, in, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think those would be probably the okay. best ways to do it. And you can also go to Mrs. NYAmerica.com in the next <laughs> coming months because we're going to have something called the Fabulous Face Contest. So that's where we try to raise funds for Victoria's Voice, which is the official charity of Mrs. America organization. Um, and it's about... Um, opioid awareness and education and oh, wow. it's an amazing amazing organization founded actually by the um the seagulls who are the owners of the westgate hotel they lost a child to opioid um an overdose so they've made it their mission and so i really connect with that too because mm -hmm. there is advocacy in that as well um, that's how we're going to get narcan and naloxone into the hands of first responders is through mm -hmm. advocacy and um, and education too. We need to educate everyone. So that is what we'll be raising money for. So basically you'd go to the website mm -hmm. and then we'll, you'll have the pictures of each of the contestants and then you can um, vote for those um, contestants. I think it's, I don't know how much it's, it might be like $5 a vote, but it all goes to a good cause. Okay. So good. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you so much. Sure. Good luck in July. Thank you so much. I'll be rooting for you. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you.